Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about food. This week, Barcelona played host to one of the world's biggest food and drink fairs, Alimentaria. Christina Tomas-White and Killian Shields were there, finding out all about the Mediterranean diet and trends around vegetarianism, veganism and flexitarianism. It's good to see you both. Good to see you too. How are you doing? Not too bad. Welcome, how are you? I'm very well. Good time at Alimentaria then. We'll be hearing all about that. First though, let's talk about the Mediterranean diet. It's recognised as an intangible cultural heritage of humanity by UNESCO. Uh, The term was actually coined by an American physiologist, uh, Ansel Keys, uh, who observed eating habits in Crete and southern Italy in the 50s and 60s. And then later, well, no, it's, it's common knowledge, Barcelona began to promote it in the 90s. So folks, what exactly does a Mediterranean diet involve? Well, what does it involve? It, it involves food. It, it involves <laughs> the food that As comes any from it. diet does. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking but for some more specifics here. I, I think what you just said there, like um, it was coined by someone not from here and it began to be promoted in the 90s. So it's sort of a concept that's been labeled in more recent times, but in reality, in in the day-to-day here, it's just the food that has naturally been grown and eaten here for centuries and millennia. Okay, so what what, what kind of crops and foods are we talking about? So we're thinking olives, um, fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts. Fish as well. Yeah, a lot of high intake of all of these kind of foods, Mm -hmm. while at the same time, quite a a low intake or or a moderate intake of uh, dairy white meat as well, and then a very low intake of red meat, of processed foods, and as well sweetened treats and drinks. Okay, I I was reading, you know, if you wanted to make one change to kind of make your diet more Mediterranean, in my case, it was (laughs) change butter for oil. Basically, oil should be your main source of fat. So that kind of leads to these health benefits. Obviously, a big one is low cholesterol then if you're cooking with olive oil, if you're adding it to salads and stuff. And maybe that's a habit... I've got into more recently um, <laughs> um, or, tr- you know, I still have butter on my toast in the morning. Maybe I need to cut that out. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a north-south Europe kind of divide, isn't it? It's one of the many things that that divides the, the top and bottom half of the continent. Yeah, one of the main uh, sources of contention in my household, actually. <laughs> butter versus oil yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. obviously I, I stand by my, my oil. You're on, the, you're on the olive oil side. Yeah. I mean, reading what UNESCO says about the Mediterranean diet, it also goes on to talk about values of hospitality, neighborliness, intercultural dialogue. Like, like it's about food, but it's about more than food as it's well. It's a way of life. It's social exchange. It's communication. It's this ritual of sitting down and enjoying a nice meal with your friends and family. And it's good for you. Life expectancy. Spain has the second highest life expectancy in the world after Japan, and it's expected to become number one in the coming years. Now, obviously, there's lots of factors that influence life expectancy, but diet is a major one. Life expectancy in Catalonia was 84 in 2019 compared to EU average of 81. It did dip slightly in 2020 for COVID. And of course, women generally live kind of five, six years longer than men as well. Lucky you, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not there yet, so we'll see what happens. Um, There's there's been studies done elsewhere as well, Christina, hasn't there? Not just in the Mediterranean. 
Right. So obviously there are many other factors that will impact your life expectancy or your risk for other diseases. But um, these uh, diets, when they've been replicated in other countries, such as the U.S., Sweden and Switzerland, they found that people that adhere to the, the Mediterranean diet have a lower risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer. Yeah, It helps reduce cholesterol as well. It helps reduce the risks of metabolic syndrome. The Mediterranean diet can also be more effective at weight loss and managing diabetes. Mm -hmm. There's so many studies that shows the benefits of it. Yeah, countless studies. Actually, a recent report, though, out just uh, this week from Save the Children said, uh, kind of warned that childhood obesity rates are actually increasing uh, in Catalonia. So, I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? We live in such a globalized world. Everything's interconnected. Like just because you live in the Mediterranean doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you're going to eat a Mediterranean diet. You have to make those choices. And there's obviously more and more processed foods here and maybe more and more tendency to eat red meat than previous generations would have done as well, you know. So I mentioned earlier that uh, both of you went to Alimentaria, this massive food fair. Uh, Killian, we're going to hear how you got on first. And you were kind of looking at uh, new trends to do with the Mediterranean diet. Let's take a listen. The food that's been cultivated for hundreds, if not thousands of years in Catalonia and other lands of the Mediterranean basin has become famous worldwide for its richness and flavour and benefits for health. Its popularity has spread from the humble habits of locals here to studies and replications all over the world. One aspect that contributes to the global fascination with this way of eating is the wide-ranging health benefits that it provides. Olive oil is present in practically every meal that forms part of the diet, and Victor Huguet of Oils of Catalonia explained to us why it's so good for us. For example, in the olive oil we have the polyphenols, that uh, is great uh, for the blood pressure. El Prat, just south of Barcelona, is famous for two things. It's where Barcelona Airport is, and it's one of the best places to grow artichokes. Vale, mira, yo soy la Monse Lozano Suárez. Monse Lozano of the El Prat Agricultural Cooperative, which specializes in El Prat artichokes, told us at the fair that everyone knows that vegetables are the best thing for health. But she said that artichokes in particular are especially great for the liver. She said that if ever you're feeling sick, boiling the leaves of artichokes with some vegetable stock can help you feel better. Pickled foods are also very common here, especially as snacks, and Cristina Bezares of Rio Verde, a company that focuses on this type of product, told us about the wonders of their natural ingredients. Well, our products are beneficial for us because... Uh, they don't have sulfatos, I don't know in English, sulfates. And it's a very good probiotic for our children and for us as well. This is a perfect food when you are hungry and, and you want to eat chocolate or something like that, stop. The diet has been around in this region for longer than anyone can remember. But how has the Mediterranean diet evolved in the age of globalization and information? How have chefs, foodies and the creative and curious among us put new twists on these ancient ways? Well, Monse Lozano says that consumers are becoming more and more conscious about how and where their food is being produced and recognising the value of having locally sourced fresh vegetables. 
She adds that this has especially been the case in difficult times, such as through the pandemic or when truck drivers are on strike. The farmers in the El Prat Agricultural Co-op have always continued growing and harvesting their crops. Meanwhile, the Catalan olive oil industry has also noticed that consumers are thinking more about where their food comes from and have made a push towards more ecological and organic production. Obviously, the ecological olive oil and are there in the market. Uh, we come from a starting point that is uh, low in terms of sales, but we are seeing that it's increasing year after year. Alejandra Rovira of Rio Verde tells us that her company has seen market shifts towards more experimental and adventurous tastes. The consumers are always searching for new tastes. One of the, the main star products that we are selling is the anchovy taste uh, gherkin. So that's why we are introducing spicy gherkins and we have with honey. So we know the basic building blocks of this cuisine. Lots of vegetables, legumes, unrefined cereals and fish, moderate amounts of dairy products and not too much red meat or processed foods. But what are some of the best meals that come from the Mediterranean diet? Firstly, good wine. I really love to eat uh, real food. Tomato, a good salad, a little bit of cheese with uh, bread, uh, good bread. No, no, the, the one that you buy in the supermarket. Well, being a Spaniard, I have to say paella. <laughs> I hope that people know that it's based on rice and we have also different types of different paellas. We can cook it uh, with uh, veggies or with some fish with some meat so different variety of paella but definitely paella is my answer. Monse could barely contain her excitement when asked what her favorite dish from the Mediterranean diet was so she listed off quite a few. Her top pick though was breaded artichokes as a side dish perhaps served alongside breaded goat meat. She also loves traditional Catalan dishes such as meatballs with peas and artichokes, traditional stews elaborated with potatoes, carrots and artichokes jokes, fava beans with Catalan butifarra sausage or bacon, but she points out that the fava bean will always be the star of the show on that plate. Thanks for that, Killian, and thanks to everyone who spoke to us at Alimentaria. That all sounds delicious, I have to say. Uh, you know, speaking to an artichoke specialist, uh, I was just listening <laughs> to that thinking, I don't think I ever ate an artichoke before I moved here. I don't know. Quite you? possibly me neither. It's so they're so common here. Yeah. And certainly and in d- Ireland. Delicious, like not I have so to much. Say. Oh, they're probably one of my favourite vegetables, I'd say, at this point. Maybe I had it on a pizza topping or something. I don't know, but it's you know. Um Folks, tell me a little bit about, tell, tell our listeners about Alimentaria. What's it all about? What did you see there? Well, it was really exciting to be there. I mean, I would have stayed longer, but we didn't have time. There yeah. was just food everywhere and so many free samples. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so many different colorful places. Mm-hmm. There's like hundreds of establishments mm-hmm. already set up there and mm-hmm. everyone just interested in showing you the, the, the food and the drinks that it's they make. It's all people in the food and drinks trade, like yeah. restaurateurs and things like that. And mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's not a festival that you'd go to to, to feed yourself. It's it's for the industry. So yeah. It's, it's for to, to make business contact. But, you know, it's very fun going there as a reporter. Any, to, any mm. Anything unusual? Any highlights to pick out? Uh, there was an olive bar, an olive oil bar um, with samples that you could just, you know, they had a bunch of bread out and you could dip your bread in 
I don't know how many different types dozens, of oil. So dozens many different of different of types of olive oils. oil. All the different colours as well that yeah. you see. Much darker, much greener ones, much yeah, lighter amber, and yellowy. Yellow, no yeah. butter in sight? No, <laughs> no <laughs> I, I didn't see any butter. <laughs> um, I saw that then there was a big announcement at Alimentaria as well that would have had foodies around the world salivating at the prospect which <laughs> <laughs> Ferran Adria the world famous Catalan chef a real innovator he's going to be opening El Bulli 1846 his new restaurant museum concept in June 2023 just on the side of his El Bulli restaurant which closed back in 2011 uh, that was you know named world's best restaurant five years and uh, you know he had three Michelin stars and all the rest any award that you could win he had it um, so that's exciting you know I doubt I'll ever be going there but it's <laughs> <laughs> you exci- never know. exciting you never for know. those that are going to be going uh, <laughs> maybe if we can get an interview maybe that's the yeah, only way we'll get in the doors yeah, and just yeah, try and yeah. sneak a wee sample that's, yeah. that's the way to do it I think in fact we could do a sequel to our yeah. uh, Catalan cuisine podcast yeah, we did yeah. one well last year about uh, we interviewed Karma Ruscalleda for for that one another one of these superstar chefs that we're privileged to have here in Catalonia um, yeah if you're into your food podcast and you're enjoying this one do check out well we did one recently with the mm-hmm. two of you as well Calzotada uh, these mm, vegetables um, and there's other ones there food and drink ones artisanal beer we did wine. one on wine so yeah lots of lots of stuff out there to listen to Christina and Killian, both of you actually, you're both vegetarians. Now, do you think the Mediterranean diet is kind of compatible or how compatible do you think it is with vegetarianism, veganism, flexitarianism? Because they're all growing, aren't they? Yeah, I definitely think it's compatible. I mean, I think there's a stereotype, especially, you know, in maybe Northern European countries or the US, they think Spain, Catalonia, meat. And, yeah, and I don't like think they that's... they imagine shops with ham. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's too. a lot of meat here, but it, it's it's not that hard to be a vegetarian here, mm. I don't find. I found maybe if you're cooking for yourself, yeah. you've got so many options to use. All the, fr- all the vegetables we've been talking mm-hmm. about. All the legumes, all yeah. the beans, everything mm-hmm. like that so there's plenty of sources of protein plenty of sources of all of the the nutrients and macronutrients that you could want but i found yeah if you go to a lot of restaurants very occasionally it could be it could be perhaps uh, vegetable based but then perhaps mm-hmm. there's a bit of ham on the side yeah, or yeah. some sausage cooked through the beans or yeah. something yeah. like that that's just obviously elaborating the flavor for for most of the population but you know for me i, I see something <laughs> and I'm, I'm like oh beans is this main dish but then like you know at the very last word mm-hmm. of the the description of it there's some sort of weird sausage or so that, yeah. that'll turn me off it. <laughs> though i will say i think people tend to be very accommodating so if you if you go to a restaurant and tell them like hey i'm a vegetarian what can i eat usually they'll they'll be happy to help you out okay well let's take a listen to some of the latest trends and also a little bit about the history of a vegetarian institution here in catalonia let's take a listen over 40 years ago, when Teresa Carlas first opened a restaurant in Lleida, it was one of the only vegetarian establishments in town. Her son, Jordi Barri, the CEO of health food business Flax & Kale, says his parents were very forward-thinking with their approach to the industry. So they were pioneers in, in the vegetarian movement in restaurants. They started in Lleida, my hometown, back in 1979, with a really tiny, humble restaurant. But now it's 42 years later, and we are second generation managing the business. And now we are already 270 people behind the family. Following the, the view that my dad has and my mom, 
that there was a future in, in, in food that it was going to be more healthy and sustainable. And now we're so, so proud, especially my mom and dad, to see that finally it's, this, this day is really coming. So it, it's beautiful. The plant-based food industry in Catalonia is thriving, having found consumers not only among vegetarians and vegans, but also among the so-called flexitarians who have chosen to reduce their intake of animal products for health reasons, as well as for animal welfare and sustainability concerns. Around 13% of Spain's population identified as either vegan, vegetarian, or flexitarian in 2021, a figure that grew by over a third in just two years. Sometimes we tend only to think about vegetarian, vegan, and flexitarians as the health conscious, but there is a lot of people that they suffering intolerances, like diabetes or um, lactose intolerance or celiacs. Even companies that traditionally only work with meat, like Noel Charcuterie, have started selling plant-based products. Desde Noel hem identificat que cada vegada hi ha una tendència creixent a diversificar la ingesta de proteïna. És a dir, hem vist que... Maria Sánchez, their head of communications, says they've identified a growing trend towards diversifying protein sources as there are people who are concerned about consuming an excessive amount of animal protein. Because of this, food industry professionals ask estimate that by 2040, 60% of the meat we consume will not be of animal origin. Mycoprotein meat substitutes made out of fermented fungus spores are already on the market, while researchers also hope to make in vitro meat, which is cruelty-free and more environmentally friendly, more readily available. One of these people is Ana Torrejon, a chemical engineer who works for AINIA, a research and development center that helps companies to innovate processes related to the food industry. You can go to the animal and you can pick a small cell that you can uh, take to the lab and then multiply that cell in order to have a lot of amount of, of meat and then you can work with the process and the cells in order to have different kinds of meat. Yeah, it can be like minced meat or can be like a steak, for example. Yes, it is the same because it, it came from the same source that it came with the animal. The only thing that the animal doesn't suffer because you don't have to grow within the animal. Plant-based or cultured meat may sound blasphemous to the carnivores out there who enjoy their steak. But this way of thinking is gradually on course to becoming a thing of the past as attitudes and needs continue to evolve. That is fascinating. Some of that the, the future gaze in there is, I, you know, it, it's hard to imagine right now that we're all going to be eating lab-grown meat in, 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 in a few years, it seems. Have either of you tried it? Or? No, I don't know if that's on the market here yet, no, is it? I, no, I've never tried it either, no. No. Would you give it a go? Uh, I don't miss meat, to be honest. Okay. So I'm curious about it. I think I became a vegetarian pretty much for every reason that there is. So in terms of flavor, like I don't really like it, but also environmental concerns, things like that, cruelty. But, you know, there's no cruelty in this. Yeah. So I'm a little bit morbidly yeah, fascinated, you know. Yeah. And I mean, flexitarianism, I suppose, like... I might be a flexitarian, I've never, you know, I've never, I've never put on the flexitarian badge, but I, you know, I, I, I try to not eat too much red meat and stuff, you know, I know it's not good for the environment. And, no, and, and, and this is definitely the category, like of the three that we've mentioned, this is the category that's growing because um, vegans and vegetarians are pretty much, you know, they are growing slightly, but not as much as flexitarians. And, and obviously 
Alimentaria is a food and drinks fair. They're looking to mm-hmm. sell their products. Mm-hmm. So obviously, mm-hmm. if there's a, if that's a growing market as well, they're going to invest right, in that. Right, right. But I mean, <laughs> definitely that too. But also, I mean, beyond the environmental reasons, just mm. if the population is growing at the rate that it is, um, there are going to be more and more people that are going to be needing more um, protein sources. And we just have a limited space for rearing animals so it's 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 also like (laughs) efficient to grow it in a lab i mean it's more environmentally friendly so there's that i was just thinking you you know uh, talking about food doing another podcast on food here in catalonia and you know we've mentioned before it's such a big part of the culture here and uh related to both the kind of topics we've been talking about which is vegetarianism and the mediterranean diet i was thinking what really struck me when i moved here was the variety and just how common different types of beans or legumes were like lentils chickpeas everywhere and like just around the corner from me where i used to live there was a a shop and it's quite common here um that just sells like lentils and beans and 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 nothing else you just never get that at home and it's just it's a normal shop it's not like a specialist kind of foodie shop or anything no it's just like everyone going in and getting their you know they might go to the bakery they might go to butchers they get their lentils yeah. and their stuff. And, and, and as well, the great thing about it for me, who, you know, I'm not a fantastic chef, is you can buy it all cooked and stuff and it's a really cheap meal and, and, and it's, it's just great. Should get that. We should get that back in Ireland, Killian. That's a business opportunity for yeah. me. And you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Speaking of markets. <laughs> uh, what about you two? Any differences you've noticed between here and other places you've lived? I mean, one of the main things, I suppose, is just how I've noticed, at least um, with the people that I hang around with, perhaps, is whenever you organize any sort of social outing, it's usually based around a meal. So you say you'll go out for a dinner, you'll go out for food. And obviously that dinner and that food can last well into the night and there can be drinks accompanying it. But there's food involved. Whereas certainly with my friends back home, if we're going out for a social evening, it's going to be to the pub yeah. and it's it's going to be to be drinking rather than eating. Food does not play that same role in the social <laughs> life kind of Much yeah. less of a role, yeah. although some of my friends do glorify like the like a Chinese getting get like a spice <laughs> bag after the pub closes, this it's kind of thing. It's not quite the same though, is it? <laughs> Far from it. What about you, Christina? Um, I mean, I guess uh, one thing that's different between like here and the U.S., for example, are portion sizes. You know, everyone, yes, you know, you've true. seen <laughs> U.S. restaurants where there's just so much food you can't you can't finish it. But it's also not frowned upon to like ask for uh, like a to go bag if you can't finish your meal in in the U.S. Whereas here, you know. It's it's, it's the starting whole tapas to come. culture. No? Yeah, yeah. Though, the, well, not only are the portions smaller, but there's also a lot of sharing. Like mm. like what you were saying, Killian. Like it's a social event, so it's not uncommon to have tapas and and. Yeah, you order like one or two things, but you're ordering it with a view of oh, so w- would you have a bit of that if mm-hmm, I ordered mm-hmm, it? Oh, will mm-hmm. we share this 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 yeah. these lentils? Which is a bit of a culture shock. T- it takes time to get used to, doesn't it? You know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. sharing all my food. No, but I, I like it. I like it. I like it. Time now for our Catalan phrase and Christina, you're our native speaker, but at least Killian, <laughs> you've got one for us this uh, week. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes, first I do time. indeed. <laughs> first time ever doing this. I'm usually with a native speaker and obviously I'll just let them go for it. Your but... Catalan is much better than you think it is. Ah, stop. Me. Let's Your go, Killian. What is it? <laughs> vale, vale. Sacabat el brócil. Sacabat el brócil. Uh, the broccoli has finished. The broccoli's done. done. The broccoli's the over. Done. The broccoli's finished. Uh, Any okay. idea what it means? I, I think I've kind of heard it, but I, what, does it just mean? No, I don't really know. I it's sort of used it 
sort of in the right context there because we were kind of chatting right. we we're kind of getting nowhere with our chat so I decided to say bam that's enough that's enough right. of that yeah. no more bro sacabata bro bro it means like yeah it, it, it's a phrase that you'd say to sort of put an end to could be an argument it could be a discussion that's going nowhere so something ends putting a full stop on it yeah sacabata bro the broccoli stone that's us for today Sacabata Broccoli <laughs> thanks very much for listening we've got a new podcast out every Saturday so do subscribe to Filling the Sink wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify Apple Podcasts all the rest if you don't want to miss out you can also listen back to any of our previous podcasts they're all there 73 of them now and counting all free no ads Thanks very much, Christina and Killian, for joining me today. Thank you, Lorcan. Thank you, Christina. Thank you both. <laughs> Until next week, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News. Bye for now. Adieu.